This episode of Gather and Go is brought to you by Visit Savannah. Give your guests the opportunity to fall in love with Savannah, Georgia's hidden gems, coastal cuisines, exquisitely preserved history, and unique activities for groups of all sizes. Learn more at visitsavannah.com. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to Gather and Go, the podcast that helps you plan, promote, and lead better trips. I am Brian Jewell. I am your host. We are so glad that you decided to spend some time with you today. Thank you for that. Also want to thank our awesome sponsors, Visit Savannah, for helping us bring you this episode. Now, this is going to be a really cool episode because our featured conversation today is with Ian Kiner. You may not know Ian, but you should. Uh, He works for the Travel Corporation and uh, specializes in selling one of their young adult travel brands, Kentiki. And he's got some awesome and eye-opening things to tell us about the young adult group travel market. So make sure you hang around for the featured conversation today. That's going to be a lot of fun. Before we get there, though, let's talk about some travel news you may have missed. Now, uh, if you have been watching the situation in Cuba and America's relationship to Cuba, uh, then you know that American policy about travel to Cuba, well, it just seems to keep changing. In fact, it has changed over and over through the years. Well, in mid-May, the Biden administration announced that they are going to reinstate what was a growing and popular program for Americans to travel to Cuba on what was known as a people-to-people trip. Now, there are a lot of details surrounding these trips, but basically the idea is that people were allowed to go to Cuba, uh, assuming that they were going to be on a full time itinerary of cultural exchanges with the Cuban people. But it was a really a very popular policy uh, that was most recently in place during the Obama administration. Uh, The Trump administration came in, they shut the program down, uh, but the Biden administration has announced that they are bringing that back in addition to some other uh, openings in travel opportunities to Cuba. But here's what I want you to know today. If you have any interest in A, either traveling to Cuba yourself or B, maybe taking a group of travelers to Cuba, now may be a really good time to think about doing that. Why do I say that? Well, let's let's look at the history and see if we can find a pattern emerging. In the 1990s, Bill Clinton, a Democrat, creates opportunities for Americans to begin traveling to Cuba. Then in the early 2000s, George W. Bush, a Republican, basically shuts that down. And then later on in the late uh, 2000 aughts, Barack Obama, a Democrat, Uh, reopens those opportunities and in fact creates more opportunities and then following him uh, president trump a republican comes in and shuts those down and now here we are in 2022 and the democratic biden administration is once again putting opportunities back in place for americans to visit cuba now i don't want to get into the weeds about the politics here but i think you can see a pattern emerging that for whatever reason democratic administrations seem to favor opening travel opportunities to Cuba much more than Republican administrations. Republicans don't seem to like letting Americans go to Cuba. So what does that mean for you? Well, we are in 2022 right now. The next presidential election isn't for another two years. What that means is that you have an excellent opportunity in 2023 or in 2024 to visit Cuba or to take a group to Cuba. After 2024 though, 
all bets are off. You can't necessarily take it for granted that you're going to get to go to Cuba uh, when the next administration, whichever party that might be, is in office, but you may have an opportunity to go now. So if that's something that interests you, I would encourage you to check it out and start making plans. All right, now let's move from the political realm to something that's hopefully a little more fun. It is time for our road tip. That's the portion of every episode where we give you a little bit of a peek into the travel knowledge that uh, our team has accumulated over decades and decades in the business. And today I want to give you a very practical tip that might help you sleep a little bit better in hotel rooms. One of the biggest reasons that I have found on the road that it's difficult to sleep in hotels is that a lot of hotels have windows that are covered by the kinds of curtains that split in the middle, right? So you have to pull uh, the blackout curtain from the right side, and then you have to pull it from the left side. It's two separate curtain panels, and then they meet in the middle. Now, if it's a really great set of curtains, maybe the panels will overlap to create uh, some darkness. But more often than not, I find that the panels don't quite touch or they don't really seal. And so there's this thin sliver of light that gets through the middle of that curtain and that light can get into your room and keep you awake it's it has kept me awake before and so what i've decided to do is to bring my own solution to keep that curtain closed and so what it is well it's the kind of clip that you might use to to close a bag of potato chips at your house it's a chip clip it's one of those plastic clips on a spring hinge and it does a perfect job of sealing those curtains so what i do when it's time to go to bed in the hotel room i pull the two panels together i kind of bunch them up and twist them up to create an overlap and then grab that chip clip clip it on the curtains and voila, you have an instant blackout with no gap in the middle where a street light or sunlight comes streaming through. That is one step closer to being able to sleep in your hotel room. So take a chip clip, keep it in your purse or your carry-on or your suitcase, and uh, you're never going to have to deal with light streaming through your hotel window again. Well, it has been a really busy spring travel season for our team here at the Group Travel Leader. Just since March, we have had staff members uh, exploring national parks all out west. We have been to coastal Mississippi, to Myrtle Beach, Atlanta, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Las Vegas, Mexico, Jordan, Ohio, Texas, Tennessee. Right now, I'm recording from a hotel room in Salem, Oregon. We have been on the road. We've been having a blast. And we want you to know that there are lots of opportunities for you to travel with us. If you are a tour operator or a group leader or somebody who plans or leads group travel, we would love to have you join us on one of these fams. You learn a lot. You have a blast. You can find out more about the trips we have going anytime at grouptravelleader.com slash fam. All right. Well, that about does it for our top of the show content. In just a minute, we're going to get into our featured conversation with Ian Kiner. But after that, well, I've got a little bit more to say about the situation on travel to Cuba. So make sure you hang around for our hot minute segment. You won't want to miss that. We'll be right back with Ian Kiner. All right. So if you're looking for even more reasons to make plans to visit Savannah, look no further. From the moment you arrive, you'll be greeted with moss-draped live oak trees, fresh coastal breezes, and enchanting history around every cobblestone street. Savannah strikes a delicate balance between hip and historic. Casual, but cool. Elegant, yet approachable. Spend the day exploring the city's illustrious culture, roaming through the green city squares while sipping on your go-to cocktail before hopping a trolley to your next adventure. 
The best experiences happen when you let Savannah take you along for the ride. You never know what characters you'll meet or what's in store for your next tour. And that's just the way they like it. See why groups of all sizes fall in love with Savannah at visitsavannah.com. All right, everybody. My guest today is the Director of Business Development for Affinity Groups at the Travel Corporation, which includes tour brands such as Trafalgar, Insight Vacations, Brendan Vacations, Adventure World, and Kentucky. His position puts him in contact with travel planners and leaders from a variety of age groups who buy travel at a variety of price points, and he's developed an expertise in providing one-stop solutions for many different types of travel experiences. Ian Kiner, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, fantastic. So the Travel Corporation uh, has been around like 100 years and you guys do all sorts of different trips. But uh, there's one that really catches my eye, and that is Kentucky, because uh, it's an entirely different demographic than uh, many of the others. So can you give us an overview of what that brand is and what makes it unique in your portfolio? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Kentucky, yes, the Travel Corporation, uh, we celebrated our 100th, uh, our 100th birthday right in 2020, a terrible time to have a 100th birthday. Uh, but we yeah. continued the celebration on and Kentucky actually turned 60 this year. So our first Kentucky trip ran in 1962. And uh, what's differentiated Kentucky since that day and every day since is we have a very, very singular focus on a particular niche of travelers. And that is the ages from 18 to 35. We've never wavered from that. That's been our focus uh, from, from 1962 all the way through until now. Uh, and it really allows us to do a lot of things a little bit differently from some of the more traditional touring brands because our market, our customer base, they're constantly changing, they're constantly refreshing uh, and constantly challenging us to, to adapt, to address exactly what they need and want uh, as travelers, uh, and then hopefully set them up for a lifetime of exploration. Okay, so help me settle uh, something that I have been fighting in public perception for a long time, which is the idea that only senior citizens are willing to get on a motor coach and go on a vacation uh, with a group of people. It would seem that Kentucky is the either exception to that rule or proof that that rule uh, maybe is not well-founded. How do you see that? Are you guys the exception or are you proof that uh, if you package it right, you can attract young people to group travel? Uh, I think I think it's I think we're the proof that it's possible. The market is absolutely there. I don't know that we operate in a space that is exceptional. Uh, certainly, certainly, uh, especially for the U.S. travel market, there are a lot of options, and international travel may not be the first option for a lot of travelers in our age range. They may be looking at their uh, Las Vegas trip or a trip to Miami or New York. Uh, and not necessarily thinking even of expanding beyond uh, for international travel. So the, the first challenge that we always have is just presenting ourselves as an option. Once, once we get in front of that, that, that customer, uh, whether it be a group, uh, whether it be a, a, a student, a student led uh, trip or, you know, a young professional group or just an individual that is ready to travel, once we can get in front of them, uh, then they really, really uh, gravitate and embrace exactly what we do. Uh, and I don't want to dive too deep into it and get too, too into the weeds for us, but really what it, what it boils down to is we make it easy 
for, for young travelers to see and explore the world. And that group part of it is actually something that is significantly powerful for that traveler. Uh, and I'll give you an example. Just recently, I was, I was speaking with a number of graduates uh, from a couple of different universities, and, and they're asking, oh, what is, what is Kentucky? What is this Kentucky trip? What is it all about? <clears throat> and I let them know, tell them about the basics of the trip. But then I always make sure to include, you're going to be traveling with a group of, of other students, of other graduates, so very like-minded. You're also going to be traveling with a population of like-minded people from potentially all over the world. And if I can share yeah. just a super quick anecdote that I think is that is just so telling of what the group means to our travelers. Uh, this is one of my favorite, favorite stories. We had a traveler on trip, solo traveler, joined on uh, into a group, was on her own, didn't know a lot of people that were there, kind of reserved, uh, kind of kept to herself. Towards the end of the trip, she started opening up. And by the end of it, she was, she was fully part of the group. And on the last day when everybody's kind of saying their farewells and, you know, everybody's kind of getting ready to go off uh, on their own separate ways to whatever life might have in store for them, she stands up and says, you know what, on the first day of this trip, we were all strangers. By, mm-hmm. by the second day, we were friends and now we're all family. I tell you mm-hmm. what, not a dry eye on that coach, not a single I'm solitary, bad. not a single solitary person was holding it together because that's that's the community that forages through travel uh, and for especially coming out of the last two years of the pandemic where uh, everything has been so online and so virtual, that opportunity to get out of that virtual space and forge these new relationships face to face, experiencing something brand new to everybody. Uh, it's immensely powerful. Absolutely. That's an amazing story. So the conventional wisdom, I think, surrounding that 18 plus age group uh, is that they are very independent minded. They want to do their own thing. They want to be able to stay out all night. They want to be able to party, whatever, whatever. And so they would bristle against the idea of having a preset itinerary and uh, and people telling them they have to be a certain place at a certain time when they go on vacation. So has that always been a myth or is that something that is changing in the 2020s i don't i don't know that it's dramatic i don't know that it's been a myth or that it's dramatically changed but it's certainly i mean we've been running the same trips for for 60 years so there's always been that market that wants to do exactly what we're doing but i will talk you know right now specific to that that notion of they don't want to be on a on a scheduled itinerary they don't want to have everything kind of blocked out for them. Where we really excel and put a lot of time and energy into the crafting of the itineraries is that balance of we're going to take care of all the stuff you don't have the time, energy, expertise, or desire to do. Let us take care of all of that. We're going to take care of making sure you always have a comfortable, safe place to stay, that your transportation is always sorted, that you have access to, to local experts and local guides that can give you uh, you know, the, the culture, the real culture and immersive history of, of the place we're visiting. Uh, we're going to include those icons all along the way. But with that, then we're going to build in a ton of free time. So you can have that independence. Mm. If we're in, if we're arriving into Paris and we do a quick orientation tour of the city, so everybody knows, uh, you know, this is, this is here. We're driving past the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower. Let's go by the Arc de Triomphe and down the Champs-Élysées. And you're going to see and know the orientation of everything. And then we're going to stop and uh, trip manager, like, all right, so 
the day is yours. If you would like to do a Sin River cruise or schedule anything else uh, that I can help you with, let's go and take care of that. If you just want to go and find a coffee shop in the Latin Quarter and read a book and watch the world go by, let me know. I'll point you to one that's that's my favorite. Uh, if you wanna, if you wanna just sit under the Eiffel Tower and eat cheese and bread and drink wine all day, that's that's your prerogative as well. Uh, and likewise, you know, you mentioned nightlife. Nightlife is a big deal for a lot of our travelers. They want to get out. They want to see all the sights and the culture, but they want to do the music, the nightlife, and so on. And that's perfectly that's perfectly encouraged. Whether you want to be the one going out and uh, coming back at dawn and then starting the next day, or you want to take a night off because you want to have uh, time to do whatever the next day's destination or experiences have to offer. Yeah. So I kind of see two different levels, layers of value that we're talking about here. Uh, There's the base level of value that is true across the spectrum of all group tours, which is we're the experts who are going to come and take all the hard work of planning and selecting and reading reviews online. We're going to take that all off your plate. We're going to get you where you need to be. You're going to be safe. You don't need to worry about it. But then for the traditional tour product, uh, there's a term we use all the time, which is fully escorted, right? And and some people at the upper age, uh, upper end of the age uh, demographic are looking for that fully escorted experience. It sounds like Kentucky travelers aren't necessarily looking for that fully escorted experience, right? Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. And yeah. you can see that, you know, within our own family of brands, you can see that articulated perfectly where Trafalgar, Insight Vacations are very much that fully escorted travel. You've got everything you could possibly need or want included in it. Yes, there is free time and there are optionals that you can do here or there, but it is fully escorted. Kentucky definitely dials that back a little bit and has those options available for our travelers. In in one of my favorite places in the world, in a town called Hopgarden in Austria, uh, you might have the option to go whitewater rafting or paragliding. Mm. You might be terrified of, of, of water and deathly afraid of heights. So those things aren't going to be uh, in your wheelhouse. But then you can go hiking or mountain biking uh, through the Alps or just simply take one of the gondolas up to the top of the mountain uh, and enjoy, uh, enjoy the views uh, uh, across Austria and the Alps. So, yes, I think that articulates it perfectly. Uh, we are not in that traditional fully escorted. It's that perfect balance of of giving them those essentials and then letting them have the option uh, to do as they wish. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to circle back to the group element because I assume a lot of your travelers are coming either as individuals, as the young lady you mentioned was, or in very small groups. And uh, again, I think the conventional wisdom says, you know, a lot of these people don't want to get on a bus with 40 folks they've never met before. They don't know if they're going to get along. It might be awkward. What if we get into politics? I mean, you know, there, there's lots of potential for the, the experience to maybe uh, turn a little bit sketchy. So um, are young people willing to travel with a bunch of strangers? And um, is that a hard sell? It, it actually isn't. Uh, it, it isn't actually at all. Uh, and it's interesting when when I first started selling Kentucky, which was longer than I'm going to share now, further back than I'm <laughs> going to share now when I was definitely of the right age to be a Kentucky traveler. Uh, yeah. the, we, didn't, we didn't broadcast the group travel element of it. It wasn't something uh, we put front and center because I think even we had internalized that conventional wisdom as that may not be uh, the best selling point. What we've learned, especially over the last 
four or five years or so is that group element is actually one of the greatest selling points and strongest selling points that we offer. And it is a Hmm. huge selling point. Uh, So much so we've actually crafted a lot of our marketing to be front and center with the opportunity to travel together and how important it is to travel together and social travel for 18 to 35 year olds. Uh, If you see any of our marketing or messaging, it's going to be really front and center that that opportunity to travel with other like-minded people is a huge part of the overall experience. Uh, and and I'll share, I think this is absolutely fantastic. When we do pre-departure surveys of our travelers, very oftentimes the top one or two, three things is the destination. It's the icons mm-hmm. that they're going to see. Uh, it's whatever particular experience they want to have. Post-travel, when we do the same survey, what did you most enjoy? What were the highlights of your trip? So we know what you were looking forward to when you when you headed out. What were you most excited about or what are your greatest memories now? And right there in the top three, it's the people they traveled with. It's the trip manager that was traveling with them. Uh, it's the local guides that they interacted with. It is always at the end of the day, it's the people and the relationships and the memories that come from those relationships on trip that end up being the most powerful part. And we have definitely learned that that is something we need to put front and center because it is something we need to highlight as part of the overall experience. You're not just going to visit a destination. You're going to visit a destination and see it through the eyes of of other people. You're going to experience a place uh, with somebody who, you know, you're going to go to, you're going to go to Europe in winter and you're going to be traveling with somebody who has never in their entire life seen snow. And Mm. that first snowstorm, you're going to get to experience through their eyes and through their experiences what it's like uh, to be in, you know, in in a city center uh, in Europe in the winter when the snow starts falling uh, and and experience and see and feel what that other traveler is experiencing right at that moment. And it's just it's just a magical thing uh, that certainly we have we have definitely changed in our messaging to put that front and center because it is really important. Walk me through maybe what some of the pitfalls seem like they might be. Uh, for instance, the world is polarized right now. America certainly is polarized. And when you travel, occasionally you go to places that don't have the the best history or, or some of the stories might be difficult. So if I am getting on a coach with other young people uh, who maybe have a different political philosophy than I do or a racial background or a religious background, how are we going to come around some difficult topics that we encounter uh, on the trip and come away with it in a way that uh, we feel like we've benefited from being in a diverse group rather than, you know, it just is one more place where we're fighting with strangers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that there, there aren't challenges from time to time. You know, you bring any group of people together uh, and there are certainly uh, from time to time, butting of heads or people that just don't get along and aren't going to get along uh, no matter what we don't, we don't put everybody on a Kentucky coach and suddenly it's this, this crazy, this crazy utopia. Uh, certainly in a right. lot of cases, it feels that way. Uh, but definitely there are challenges from time to time, not only with the diversity and the, the, the different views of the individuals on the coach, but to the places that we visit and some of the topics uh, that are relevant for the destinations we're traveling to. And I think at the core of that, one of the most important roles that we have is that of our trip managers. Our trip managers, Mm -hmm. trip manager on every coach, they have multiple hats. They're everything from a tour guide, a historian. Uh, They are a 
a, a living, breathing Wikipedia and TripAdvisor and mm-hmm. destinations. Uh, they're also they're also the 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 group coach, uh, the the motivator, the the picker upper of of any issues, the feeling mm-hmm. out what the dynamics of the coach are, uh, and they go through the training that trip managers go through is absolutely. It's absolutely insane. If you're going to be a trip manager in Europe, you apply, uh, you interview. Uh, if you're accepted for the interview, <clears throat> you're invited on a month-long training trip. Wow. Getting to that training trip and from that training trip is your cost. On the training trip, we take care of, we take care of all the applicants. <clears throat> we'll fill a coach, two coaches, whatever we need, and then away we go. Uh, typically, by the end of that trip, we've got <clears throat> maybe a handful of trip managers uh, that have actually made it through the training and through that program because they need to be capable of doing so many things. But I love what the trip managers do on trip. Coming back specifically to your question, they do. They get a sense for the dynamics of the trip. They they have those icebreakers. They have those moments of of all right. Let's get let's let's start everybody getting to know each other. But nothing's forced. You know, if somebody is just, you know, if, if they're there and they're shy and they don't want to really interact with a lot of other people, they're not going to be forced to do something they're uncomfortable with. And the, and the trip managers are really good at finding, okay, there might be, there might be some personality differences here. Do I need to address something or do I just need to casually kind of keep some distance between these travelers? And it's something they're very skilled and adept at. And I'm very thrilled to say, and I'm going to not touch wood here. You know, thankfully, we don't get a lot of reports of of significant issues or significant conflicts happening on trips. Typically, when there are differences, uh, I think like you would with any social group, whether it be at, in, a, in the workplace or, uh, you know, for our younger travelers who are still in stu- who are still in school or have just recently graduated, there there is a comfort in being able to to casually discuss differences without it becoming um, a conflict and. What I've seen personally on trips is where there are potentially sore subjects or or areas of tension. It's quickly identified and avoided because the experience that we all want to have is one of of just excitement and discovery, not of anger and animus and of you know picking you know arguments with other travelers. So for the most part, it always kind of settles itself out. Um, but our trip managers they are they are front and center uh, to be the to be there. To, to help avoid any of those conflicts and situations. And they're also there to bring up histories. And, you know, it's not, it's not our place to pick and choose the history that we share. We share, mm-hmm. we share the history of the destination. And it's not our local guides. It's not up to them to pick and choose which side of a spectrum history falls on. They're just going to share uh, their history and the history of the place. And it's up, for, it's up to the travelers to, you know, how do they feel about, about that particular history or or this particular place and and what it represents to one people versus another people. Uh, you know, how does this destination treat one group of people versus another group of people? Uh, you know, we have to be, we have to be open and honest about all the places we visit. And I think one of the, just to share an experience that I think is really, that really touches on, on all of that in a very, very beautiful way on our trips that enter into, or that visit Berlin, uh, we now partner with an organization called Refugee Voices. And Refugee Voices is a group of Syrian refugees that have now become tour guides. And they mm. give 
the walking tour of Berlin. And it's absolutely mm. magical because you're hearing the history of Berlin, both the, the, you know, the last century uh, and two world wars and everything, uh, everything that Germany was very much a part of uh, all the way through to now and it being the economic center for, for Europe. And more importantly, you hear this refugee telling, telling history and stories about a place that within the last century was a place that refugees fled from. People were mm. leaving and, and rebuilding their lives someplace else and leaving their homes. And they're able to tell it then from their very real now present history of being refugees that had to flee their homes and have been welcomed mm. into, into Berlin and into, you know, into the culture of Germany. And it's just absolutely fascinating to hear firsthand uh, from one of these refugees, how these histories have all intertwined and and just what their experience has been like in leaving and having to flee their homes and then be welcomed into uh, to their new home in Berlin. Yeah. So that kind of very meaningful, very personal travel experience is uh, it's something that's growing throughout the industry. And I know uh, the leadership there at the Travel Corporation has made a commitment kind of across the portfolio to starting to integrate those kinds of experiences more deeply into the travel product. I have to imagine that uh, Kentucky makes a great sort of laboratory uh, for that sort of thing. And and maybe that your travelers are more open to it or even more eager to have those uh, very insightful, very in-depth uh cultural experiences. So tell us about some of some of what your travelers in that brand are looking for and asking you for in terms of that sort of exchange. Well, I think first and foremost, I think one of the big things uh, is sustainability and responsible travel. Uh, and it's, it's not just saying, but doing, and then more importantly, giving our guests the opportunity and our travelers the opportunity to actually give back to the communities they visit. So that is definitely something uh, that resonates with Kentucky, that resonates then from Kentucky into uh, all of the travel corporation brands. And it's, it's, it's interesting how you, how you articulated that because in a lot of ways, Kentucky is kind of at the vanguard of a lot of the changes that then and things that happen throughout the, the travel corporation. We are in the process of adding make travel matter experiences or what we call make travel matter experiences. Uh, we're, our goal is first to have it across 50, uh, 50 of our overall uh, itineraries and destinations. We're well on our way to that. Uh, hopefully, we'll exceed that by 2025. But the Make Travel Matter experiences are those experiences in destination where the travelers have a direct opportunity to give back to the community we visit. And one of our, our oldest and longest kind of Make Travel Matter experiences uh, is uh, Iraq El Amir uh, refugee camp. It is a. It is. It's in Jordan, and it is. It is a refugee or the outskirts of a refugee camp. What they've been able to do, uh, the women in the camp in the village, is set up this cooperative where they're able to teach traditional traditional skills from textiles to different crafts uh, that were traditional in the villages they all grew up in to the younger generation so these traditions do not die. And more importantly, uh, with the support of Kentucky and then the rest of the Travel Corporation brands who visit the cooperative, uh, is we've been able to support and sustain and help uh, put money directly in the into the community. Um, 
travelers are able to come away with, whether it be textiles or handicrafts or just a story, they're able to come away with something directly from the community we visit and putting money directly into that community, directly into the people who need it most. But then beyond that, it is those immersive experiences. It's those opportunities to, uh, you know, in Italy, let's not just go to dinner. Let's learn how to make pasta and let's not just learn how to make pasta. Let's understand how pasta is regionally important within Italy, that each region kind mm. of has its own pasta and its own preparation and its own, you know, it has its own place in each region's culture. And let's make sure everybody comes away, not just having eaten good food in Italy, but having prepared and learned the history and the importance of that food. You know, those are so key uh, for travel because I, I feel like some of the worst trips I've been on, uh, and I won't name names or places, but some of the worst trips I've been on, I, I encounter a place almost as a caricature of itself. And, and I come away from there thinking like, I, I didn't experience anything authentic. It was just, uh, you know, some schlocky opportunities to spend money on, on tchotchkes. But when you can connect with those locals and those authentic experiences, it flips that experience 180 degrees. So instead of being a caricature of a place, now you're actually getting nuance, you're getting depth and you're getting understanding. And so you don't just come back with a t-shirt that has the name of a country on it and a, and a shot glass, but you come back almost feeling a little bit of a connection to it. Like a, a part of your heart stayed there and a part of the country comes back with you wherever you go. So as your travelers in the Kentucky demographic uh, age, they will get to the, the ages that you and I are at where, where they're no longer Kentucky travelers. But uh, what does, yeah, I know, uh, what, what does the success of the group paradigm in that age group um, tell you about the future of group tourism in general in your other brands and, you know, the, the prospects for people uh, of, you know, Gen X or the millennial generation saying, I'm going to take a group tour and, uh, you know, it's not just something that my grandparents did, but it's something I'm going to do. What it tells me going beyond Kentucky, certainly as, as travelers get into their, and we see it as travelers get into their, their early 30s and up to 35, the number of travelers that are booking to travel with us diminishes. They're entering into mm -hmm. other, other periods of their life, uh, you know, could be career, certain career directions, uh, homes, marriage, family, whatever it might be. Uh, they're setting down different, different courses, different routes, other things that they are, that they're certainly uh, focused in on. And I think one of the most exciting things that we've seen over the last, certainly over the last, even including the pandemic, but three, four, five, six years uh, is really our cost saver brand uh, and I know we're talking mostly about Kentucky, so I don't want to take us too far down the cost saver mm -hmm. side. But what Cost Saver has done is it's filled a really interesting niche. So if I can just get really, really overly specific for a second, you figure Kentucky, you know, that 35-year-old traveler, okay, they've done their last Kentucky, then what's next? And then we tend to see, you know, travel picking up in that fully escorted space, you know, 45 plus, 55 plus, 65 plus, et cetera. And there's this huge kind of gap in there. Well, cost savers really come into the market to fill that space where it splits the difference between everything. It is, it's open age. Uh, it, it's similar in, uh, in delivery to a Kentucky where, it's essentials, essentials by, you know, are taken care of by cost saver, but it's really customizable uh, by the traveler. Uh, they can create that itinerary the exact way they want. If they want to bring, if they're a young family with kids, 
bring the young family with kids. If you want to travel with, with mom and dad, travel with mom and dad. If you want to travel solo, travel solo. And it's really opened up to kind of maintain that excitement and everything that comes from that, that Kentucky travel. And even if they never went on a Kentucky, to be able to experience all the benefits of group travel uh, in, in a way that's a little bit more eases into it, that you still have yeah. that free time, you still have control of your itinerary. Uh, you're not paying for activities that you may not necessarily be interested in. So you're able to customize quite a bit. And in that brand in particular, we've seen tremendous growth over, uh, even through the pandemic and now coming out of it. Um, it fills a niche because the, the demand is there. Yeah. So let's talk about the affinity group. Uh, speak to that young professional who is, you know, maybe mid twenties. They've got a group of friends, you know, maybe they're uh, old fraternity brothers, sorority sisters, uh, people they go to church with, people they've just been buddies with for a long time. They enjoy traveling together. Uh, they've done the beach and they're tired of the beach and they've done the long weekend in Vegas and they've done Broadway in Nashville. And, you know, they're just done with that scene and they're captivated by this idea of uh, a tour that has some more meaningful experiences. What are the steps that someone like that needs to take to begin recruiting their friends and travel companions into this new, well, seemingly new uh, way of travel experience? And then how do they go about getting connected with an organization like Kentucky to take care of the nuts and bolts of that? Your examples are great ones, a, a group of sorority brothers or sorority sisters or a church group or a friends group. You know, maybe there's a dozen of them that all have traveled mm -hmm. together over the years and they want to do something different. That's great. We will choose. We will sit down with them and choose from our 350 plus itineraries, the exact itinerary that we want to do. And then we'll make sure they have a spot on, on a departure that works great for them. That whole group will be able to travel together. Uh, they'll also be able to meet and interact with other travelers at the same time. So they're not solely responsible for filling a 30-seater or 40-seater coach. They have the option. It's mm. just them. It's their group. Those 12 can go. Uh, and they're going to have a great time. Now, if that group of friends suddenly uh, people start hearing about, hey, I hear you guys are doing this amazing trip to Thailand. I want to get on board. Hey, I have a, I have a cousin or a friend. They want to get on this. Uh, then we can take a departure, completely privatize it, completely customize it, uh, and make it truly their own. And not necessarily for the friend groups. Those usually end up being uh, just on one of those regular departures. Uh, those, those work out extremely well for them. They don't have to figure anything out. The numbers are great. Uh, but for some of the, the, whether it be an academic organization or a professional organization or uh, you know, a community-driven organization, for them to be able to take an itinerary and say, yes, we're going to do this trip to Thailand, but we're going to do it this way. We're going to include these elements to it. We're going to have these stops. We want to make sure we include these experiences, or even if it's outside of what would be in a traditional uh, Kentucky or any other TTC product, we will support them in creating those custom itineraries uh, and we'll you know, do our best to deliver whatever it needs to be, whatever it is and have that customized opportunity for that group of travelers to have the exact trip they want. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I'm always so encouraged about the future of group travel when I uh, get a little bit to talk with you. So I appreciate you being here. We have just a few more questions that we ask every guest. These are just for fun. So no pressure. Uh, you can just shoot from the hip. Yeah. So, uh, number one, window seat or aisle seat. Oh, aisle seat. 
Yeah. You and me both. Uh, next, what's one thing in your carry on that you would never travel without? Oh, one thing in my carry on that I would never travel without. Ooh, you know what? I'd have to say probably my phone charger, even though I can easily Mm. replace that just because I like having that connection, that easy connection back to home and to my family. The sense of panic. If you end up without a charger is that happened to me a few times and it's maybe the most panicked I've been in uh, all my years on the road. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So if you had a free airline ticket and a week off work, where would you be headed next? Well, the two, my two destinations uh, that I haven't been able to get to yet, but someday my top two destinations are Iran and Namibia. So I have a a tough time choosing between those two. I think it would be which country would give me the visa. But yes, if I had a, if I had a plane ticket to anywhere in the world uh, and a week to do it, it would be one of those two places. Last question. What's something you've seen or done on the road that you wish you could go back and experience again with somebody you love? Oh, wow. Well, I think one of the, one of the funnest experiences I've ever had, uh, I had the opportunity to paraglide in Austria, which was absolutely incredible. And I think that's from a, from an absolutely just fun, exciting experience. I think that that is really high up there. I would love, uh, I would love to take, I would love to take those that I care about most and, and have that experience as well. Uh, and then I think because I can't separate it into just one, uh, I think I would love to take, you know, take my family, my loved ones, uh, to Cambodia. That was a place that I absolutely loved. And there's so much history so much culture there. It's just an amazing place. But the, the part of Cambodia that resonates with me the most was, is the people, the Khmer people are just, just so incredible. Every single person I encountered, uh, just gave me the greatest feeling, uh, and just, just welcomed me into their country oftentimes and on a number of occasions into their homes. Uh, and it just, it was such an eye-opening uh, destination for me in such a place where, um, you know, I've encountered wonderful people in many, many places. But I think the Khmer people in Cambodia stand apart, uh, and I would love to share that one with my loved ones for sure. Wow, that's amazing. Ian Kiner, thanks for being with us. Uh, we'll have to have you back sometime and uh, do it more. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Well, all right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ian Kiner as much as I did. Uh, You know, many of us are just not at all aware of the young people who are traveling in groups and gravitating toward groups. But I thought Ian had some uh, fantastic insights to share. A few things that he mentioned that I want to hit again, just to make sure you don't miss them. First, he said, uh, speaking of those uh, young travelers, young professionals, people in the 18 to 35 age group, he said, once we get in front of them, they really embrace what we do. You know, so often I think we have a tendency to believe that uh, across the board, nobody in that age group would be interested in traveling with a group. But uh, Kentiki and Ian's experience is proof positive that that is just not true. There is value in group travel, whether you're 18 or 28 or 68. And so it's not an issue of offering a product that they don't like. It's just an issue of getting in front of them and helping them to understand the value in what you offer. 
Another thing he said that I think is really important for us to take away is that the group element is one of the strongest selling points that his company offers to younger travelers. You know, I think so often in the way we market group tours, our collateral, our emails, our brochures, we show lots of pretty pictures of destinations, which makes sense. And we might talk about uh, the hotels that we're staying in, the attractions, the activities we're going to do, the meals that are included. We don't spend much time, though, talking about the group element of the trip. And across the age spectrum, the group element of package travel is incredibly important. If you go out on a trip to a great destination, but you go only by yourself, it's not nearly as enriching an experience as going to that same great destination with a group of great friends or even a group of people that are becoming great friends on the trip. That interpersonal interaction, that ability to build friendships and create community can take a good trip and elevate it to a great trip. And across the group travel industry, we need to be talking more about the community building power of group travel. Now, Ian also said that giving travelers the opportunity to give back to the communities they visit resonates with young travelers in a huge way. Now, this is a trend that we have been seeing in the travel industry for uh, five to 10 years now. And I feel like a lot of people uh, see me talking about that. They see us writing about that in the magazines. They might hear of big companies doing it here and there, but they wonder, is that something that would really resonate with my travelers or is that something that is worth the effort? Well, I'll give you a sneak preview in a few episodes from now. We're actually going to dive much more deeply into the idea of uh, travel experiences that allow people the opportunity to engage with cultures and give back. But suffice it to say, those experiences are hugely memorable. They're massively compelling, and I believe they need to be a part of every trip that you package because they're going to make your trips much more memorable and they're going to make a difference in the places that you go. And finally, Ian said demand is there for group trips for people in their 30s and 40s and even people with families. And again, that flies in the face of the conventional wisdom about group travel, which says that you've got uh, this little window when people are students and then you don't get them again until they retire. Well, that might be the way things have worked in the past, but it doesn't have to be the way that things work in the future. And if you are an innovative travel packager, travel promoter, travel seller, or travel leader, you can find ways to build a loyal following even among people with families, even among people who are at the height of busyness in their careers. If you can get in front of them, offer them real value and create real compelling experiences, that's going to make them want to come back to you again and again. So if you would like to learn more about Kentucky or other products and experiences from the Travel Corporation, you can do that at groups.ttc.com. We'll also put that link in the show notes for you. Or you can get in touch with Ian directly by emailing him at ian.kiner at ttc.com. So at the beginning of the show, we talked about changes in the U.S. policy toward travel to Cuba. I want to revisit that topic for today's hot minute. That's right. The hot minute is the part of the show where I take 60 seconds to give you my unvarnished views on an issue impacting travel today. And today, the hot minute is all about traveling to Cuba, travel restrictions and what travel restrictions mean for people just like you. Obviously, I have some thoughts. So let's put 60 seconds on the clock and get into it right now. 
So here's the deal, guys. I know the world can be a scary place. And I know that sometimes when things get scary in the world, it can be tempting to try to restrict travel to affect the outcomes we want to see. But here's the problem with travel restrictions, whether it's restricting travel to Cuba, restricting travel during a pandemic, whatever it is. Travel restrictions don't work. They simply don't work. If travel restrictions worked, then there would no longer be a communist regime in Cuba. If travel restrictions worked, we wouldn't have seen the COVID pandemic sweep all across the country and all across the world. Travel restrictions never give us the outcomes we want to see. All they do is take away people's freedom and actually do a lot of damage and uh, counter act the very things that we need to be doing to be building a better world, which is getting more people in touch with others who don't see things the way they do, who don't have the same experiences the way they do. So let's get rid of the travel restrictions and actually use travel as a way to build a better world. So that's the way I see it. Uh, you can disagree with me and we will still be friends. If you do disagree, if you have other ideas, if you have thoughts that you'd like to share or questions or your own opinions, send them to us podcast at grouptravelleader.com. We would love to hear from you and you never know your thoughts or questions just might be the topic of the next hot minute. And hey, while you're in the mood to let us know what you think, do us a favor and go over to your favorite podcasting service. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear from you. That really helps us get the word out about the show and what we're doing and help spread it to other people. So uh, do us a favor. Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google or wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us that five star rating. You will have my thanks for doing it. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Gather and Go. Thanks once again to Ian Kiner of Kentucky, as well as our sponsor, Visit Savannah. Now, on the next episode of Gather and Go, we're going to bring you a fascinating conversation with Hannah Smith of Smith Travel Research, who is going to help us understand what is going on in the insane hotel room market right now. You will not want to miss it. Until then, remember, we are all on this trip together. So... Let's make it a good one. See you next time on Gather and Go. Gather and Go is hosted and produced by me, Brian Jewell. Our publisher is Mac Lacey. Donya Simmons is our creative director. Ashley Ricks is our circulation manager and graphic designer. Our sales team is Kelly Tyner and Kyle Anderson. To advertise on the podcast, call Kelly or Kyle at 888-253-0455. Gather and Go is a production of the Group Travel Leader. For more information about our magazines, podcasts, and events, visit us online at grouptravelleader.com. This episode of Gather and Go was sponsored by Visit Savannah. Savannah, Georgia's charm can be found in its rich history, tree-lined cobblestone streets, exciting events, and unbeatable dining experiences. Check out visitsavannah.com to see why your next tour should stop in Savannah.